Well, when I was a freshman at ACU, which seems like an eternity ago, I had a professor named Lemoyne Lewis, and he taught a class for Bible majors. And uh, one of the things that we learned to appreciate very quickly about uh, Lemoyne Lewis is that he was, he was trying to capture our hearts with the beauty of God's Word and not just see the Word of God as a book of rules. And uh, there were these moments in class that, you know, we were young, we would keep score at uh, certain things he would say because he would say them over and over and over again. He would read a passage and say, boys, this is just great. This is great. This is a rich treasure. I mean, it's almost like Al Pacino teaching a Bible class, right? I'm giving you pearls. I'm giving you pearls. Hoo-ah. And it was so great to hear him and to watch him and to see him do that. Now, uh, Lemoyne Lewis was also the, the professor of mine who said, boys, for a sermon to be immortal, it doesn't have to be eternal, right? And the church says, yes, amen. And, and his other favorite one was, boys, this tells you the time, <laughs> no soul saved after 20 minutes, you know? So, <laughs> hoo-ah, right? <laughs> Giving you pearls. So it was a great thing. Uh, to listen to him and to be taught by him and just to see him be moved by the word of God. So every time I come across something in scripture or I think, wow, this is a rich treasure, I hear his voice in my head. I hear his voice saying, this is a rich treasure. Uh, we're in a series looking at the attributes of God from the book of Exodus in chapter 34. And we've been looking at this chapter because these verses 5 through 7, they contain what are known as the 13 attributes of mercy. The 13 attributes of mercy. And last week we saw how God abounds in and how he keeps steadfast love. When we talk about the word steadfast love, we're talking about the Hebrew word which is really fun to pronounce, chesed. And uh, as we talked to Joe Clemens last week, uh, this word is one of the defining characteristics of God. But it's also our basis for hope. Uh, it's also one of the most complex words in the entire Hebrew Bible, and it is very difficult to, uh, to translate in just one English word. Uh, that's why I appreciated Joe sharing with us uh, how Vine's Expository Dictionary, which, by the way, is available for free online if you go to studylight.org. Uh, it's a great resource, and uh, Vine's is an expository dictionary of the Old Testament and the New Testament. But uh, Vine's, when he talks about steadfast love, he says, listen, this word, this meaning, for you to fully understand what it's talking about, you always have to keep three words in mind. You have to keep the word strength in mind. You have to keep the word steadfastness. And you have to keep the word love. And so any understanding of this word that fails to suggest any of these three and all of these three together, and here it is, it loses some of its richness. Today as we once again look at Exodus 34, we're going to consider the riches and the richness of God's mercy. What I hope you will see this morning is how mercy is an expression of his strength, of his steadfastness, and of his love. 
And then I hope this will show you, it will help you understand the sweetness and significance of saying yes to God. Let's pray together again. Father, as we open your word today, we ask you to awaken our hearts, expand our minds, and shape our identity. Through Jesus, our Savior, and your Holy Spirit, our teacher, we pray. Amen. From Exodus 34, then, if you'll notice verse 6, the text opens by saying, God has come to Moses and is proclaiming. The Lord descends in a cloud, and he proclaims this to Moses. And these are the 13 attributes of mercy. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love and faithfulness for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. This is God's word. Now next week we're going to talk about God being slow to anger and that whole confusing forgiveness thing that's in this text. But today we're going to talk about the mercy of God. From verse 6, I want you to notice the very first thing that God proclaims about himself. Notice that he says, I am, and this is who I am, a God merciful. Merciful. Hmm. The first word that God uses to describe himself is the word merciful. Does that surprise you? I mean, when you meet someone for the first time and you're getting to know them, some of the most important things you're going to learn about them are the first things you learn about them. The first things they say about themselves. Notice how your initial impression, the first things you learn, well, they determine if you want to have any further relationship with that person. Those first words, they're important. See, because out of all of the words and the language that you happen to be speaking, out of all the personality types, out of all the character traits, you should pay attention to the first words someone uses to describe themselves because it's what they want you to know about them first and foremost. It says a lot about who they are and what they want you to know about them. When Beth and I first met, it was natural to be smitten by beauty and brilliance. At least that's what she says when she first met me. I realized, even as I wrote that, that I was going to pay for that. But, you know, I just couldn't resist. But the real joy of discovery in a relationship is learning who a person really is. That's the real joy. And, and it's, it's as the church father Ignacio tells us, when you're able to get down to the nitty-gritty, as we get to know a person, it's a process of learning to actually see if what they first told us about themselves is actually true. And so the more you learn about the person, the more you see if what they said about themselves initially actually matches their character. And if these are positive attributes, if these are things that you first learned that are attractive to you, then you desire to learn more about them. You desire to seek a deeper relationship with them. 
And if these negative are negative attributes, if they're negative character traits, if these are things which actually repel you, well, then it's time to break out the old, it's not you, it's me. Which, of course, we all know that that really means, woof, it's you, dude, totally you, not me. It's important to understand why God leads with the word merciful. No shock, no surprise if God would have led with the word powerful or God had he led with the word mighty. I mean, by definition, we would expect God to be powerful and to be mighty, but listen to what's happening. God is making a distinction between himself and the other false god which the nations around them worship. The Canaanite weather god Baal was worshipped as a god of power and might who manifested himself through thunderstorms. Merciful was not a word you would associate with Baal. In fact, we read that his prophets had to cut themselves. They had to bleed. They had to draw their own blood in vain just to get him to pay attention. The heathen god Moloch was worshipped as a god of power and a god of might. Merciful was not a word that you would associate with Moloch. Children were burned as an offering to appease him. What kind of god is Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord, the only true god? The Lord, the Lord, a god merciful. That's the first thing he says about himself. This is who I am. I'm merciful. And it's not just he's merciful if you make the right offering or if you pray the right prayer and you do it in the confines of the right holy hour. He doesn't just dabble in mercy. He doesn't just experiment in mercy. God is not just casually merciful. He is rich in mercy. In the same way in which God abounds in strength, in faithfulness, and in love, without measure, he abounds in mercy. God has mercy and then some. God is an overflowing fount of mercy. You know those get-rich-quick schemes and scams? I wonder who would sign up for a Get Rich in Mercy seminar, right? Would the Holiday Inn conference room be filled with eager attendees? Would you sign up? Let's dig a little deeper into the nitty-gritty of the Lord being a God who is merciful. Now, if you look again in verse 6, there's a very interesting Hebrew word that is being used here to describe God as merciful. I am not a Hebrew scholar, but I am a really good researcher. And uh, Joe Clemens is always a phone call or a text away uh, whenever I need him. This word for mercy is also a fun word to say. It's the word rahum. And this word is really fascinating. I find depth and I find meaning in trying to understand words in their original context. 
in their original setting as the original hearers of that language would have known them. And this Hebrew word, raum, like the Hebrew word chesed, is fascinating. The root word, the word from which this word derives, is the word for womb or bowels. Not every Sunday morning you get to talk about bowels, is it? But that's what this Hebrew word means. It means bowels. So you see the word, hmm, delicately translated all throughout scripture a couple of quick examples in first kings chapter 3 which is a crazy story it is an absolutely bananas story solomon the wisest king of israel presides over a custody dispute Uh, two women had babies one baby died and the mother of the baby who died switched babies with the other mother in the middle of the night And they come before Solomon in a custody dispute, and Solomon gives the only equitable solution. He says, get a sword and divide the living baby in half and give one half of the dead baby to each of the two women. One of the women says, fine with me. If I can't have her, she can't have her. The other woman says, Oh, my Lord, don't put the child to death. She begs Solomon for him to give the child to the other woman alive and unharmed. This is how Solomon knew who the real mother was. It's a fascinating story. It is telenovela worthy in every single aspect. But here's the nuance. The text says that she makes this plea, 1 Kings 3.26, she makes this plea of Solomon because, now our Bible says, her heart yearned for her son. And of course, that would be the case, generally speaking, of any mother, except that the Hebrew literally says her bowels yearned upon her son. Hmm. The NIV says she was filled with compassion for her son. Two other quick stories. When Joseph sees his brothers again, Uh, in Egypt, years after they had sold him into slavery. It's an emotional moment, to say the least. And Genesis 43, 30 says, after seeing them, Joseph hurries out, for his compassion grew warm for his brother, and he begins to weep. Except that the Hebrew literally says, his bowels did yearn upon his brother. And those of you who grew up with brothers, you've seen this over and over and over again. But once again, the NIV takes a more idiomatic approach by saying he was deeply moved at the sight of his brother. Now, the same nuance is found in God's words to the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 31 and verse 20, where God is talking about Ephraim, a tribe of his people, and he says, Is he not my darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. And then notice what it says. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, declares the Lord. And once again, the literal phrase in that portion of the scripture is, my bowels yearn for him. 
Now, this is an interesting text for two reasons. From a theological standpoint, it's fascinating to understand how the heart of God yearns for his wayward children. But linguistically, it's also fascinating, too, because of the choice that our English translators make. And the NIV says, therefore, my heart yearns for him, and so I have compassion. All right, so what's the point of this anatomy and physiology lesson? In all three texts that I've shown you, the literal word is bowels. Now, fortunately, we prefer the idiomatic over the literal here. It would make a very awkward sympathy card if we used the literal over the idiomatic, and I'll spare you an example of some of the Hallmark cards I've come up with. But if you think of any, let me know. At the gut level, you understand the truth these words convey. No pun intended at all. They didn't have the medical technologies and knowledge that we have today. They didn't have the understanding of how emotions affected the human body like we understand today. They just knew it was real. They knew that whatever emotion they were feeling, whether it was sadness or sorrow or love or compassion, that it was coming from a very, very deep place inside them. They couldn't explain it scientifically, but they knew that it was true. How emotions have a deep, deep effect on the human body. You see, we say our heart aches for someone. Our heart is sad. But we know that emotion and anxiety and love, it doesn't cause heart trouble so much as it causes turmoil in our gut. We know that to be true. We know how anxiety and stress and, and how love can actually cause you to have physical problems, uh, physical sensations in the deepest part of your body. Listen, this is telling us something so fascinating about God. He doesn't just care for us. It's not just a superficial, on-the-surface level love or mercy for us. He cares for us deeply. His mercy and his compassion, they come from the depths of who he is. God is merciful because he is merciful. I am, and this is how I am, merciful. God at his very core of who he is, is merciful. You would have to disembowel God for him not to be merciful because he's merciful so i love these pictures in the bible of the compassion and the mercy of god for example isaiah 49 15 through 16 compares god's love god's compassion to that of a woman who nurses a child or a woman who gives birth to a baby and I love Psalm 103, 13, which compares God's mercy and God's compassion on us, his children, as that of a father who has mercy or compassion on his children. Jesus even describes God as the merciful father who waits on the porch, waiting for his wayward child to return home. And when he sees his child from a distance, he doesn't wait on the porch tapping his foot with arms crossed. 
he runs to him. He runs to him. So the point that the Hebrew word is trying to communicate here is that God has a deep, unyielding, unbreakable bond of tender love and compassion for us. God's compassion, God's mercy is an expression of his goodness because of his faithful, steadfast love. When this truth bears on your heart, when this truth moves from your head and moves into your heart, you will reject any notion of any kind of, I can do what I want. I can live how I want. When the reality of God's mercy and grace captures your heart, the love of God will compel you to say yes. God chooses to be gracious. He chooses to be merciful and show mercy because of who he is. And this helps us understand the significance and the sweetness of saying yes to God. The Bible says that those who are in Christ Jesus are those who have said yes to God. This is 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 20. And that those who are not yet in Christ Jesus, they have yet to say yes to God. Listen, every promise that God makes to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is ultimately fulfilled in and through Jesus Christ. Every promise that God makes to Moses and the children of Israel is ultimately fulfilled through and in Jesus Christ. But here's why God says, to, uh, says yes to us through Jesus Christ. The why is simple. Because he is the Lord, the Lord, a merciful God. That's why. That's why he says yes. Now here's how that helps us. When we pray and when we praise, when we praise and worship, we are proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, a merciful God. Um, try it on this week and see how it fits. Uh, take it out for a spin. Put a few miles on it for a few days and see how it handles. I mean, actually proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful. You see, what I think is going to happen is this. The more this idea the more you hear yourself declaring this, the more you hear yourself proclaiming this truth of Scripture, the more it's going to move from your head to your heart. And the more this truth through the gospel will shape your identity. You will begin to see in your life and the lives of others a merciful God at work. Isn't that what we need right now? We need to see in our own lives and the lives of others a merciful God who is at work. See, you're deciding ahead of time to see God's hand of mercy. You're deciding ahead of time to see God's strength, to see God's steadfastness and love. You're deciding ahead of time because when the moment comes, and trust me, the moment will come. You're deciding now to show mercy to others as one who has received mercy. 
Blessed are the merciful, Jesus says, for they shall receive mercy. Why is it that we expect to receive mercy, but we are unwilling to extend mercy to others? So if we can make it a habit to proclaim the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful, we're deciding right now to look for ways that God has been merciful in our own lives, and we're looking for ways that God is being merciful in the lives of others. And that helps us decide to begin even now extending mercy to others around us. And then, the sweetness and significance of saying yes to the merciful God who has said yes to us through Jesus Christ becomes a reality. If you're a Christian, if you've said yes to God, there are four things you have to keep in mind about God. First, He is your Father and He knows everything. Second, God is in absolute control of history. And third, God loves you without limit, and he loves forever. And fourth, God would do anything for your ultimate good. If you take just one of those things out, you don't have the real God. The real God of the Bible is all four of those things at once. Without every single one of those things, you not only don't have the real God of the Bible, you don't have the real God, you don't have the merciful God. And if you haven't yet said yes to God, those four things are still very true, which is even more reason for us to say yes. And so this is how the truth of God's mercy bears on your heart. God is not merciful towards you because you are so good. No. God is merciful toward you because he, because God, is so good. And so hear the sweet serenade of the love song for you, his mercy towards you to draw you and to keep you in his steadfast, faithful love. Here's how God has said yes to us through Jesus Christ. God comes into the world to, in the person of Jesus Christ to save us. The cross then becomes the definitive example of God's mercy and compassion. Jesus is treated unmercifully so that we might receive mercy. Yes, amen. But there's another dimension to this yes in Christ. It's not just about salvation. It's not just about some form of life beyond this world. It's about a relationship now. It's about life with God now. God comes into the world in the person of Jesus Christ to understand what it means to live on this earth. And so through Jesus, we draw near to God who fully understands our weaknesses. He was tempted in every single way that we are yet without sin. So his perfect life is given for our imperfect life. For those who have said yes to God, this truth is a refuge. This truth has been a refuge uh, for, for many believers of many centuries. For those who have said yes, that we can approach the throne of grace and there we can find grace and mercy in our time of need. We can draw near to the throne 
and we can find grace and mercy. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you, we come to you to find comfort and strength in you as our God, who knows everything, who is in absolute control of history, who loves without limit and loves forever, and who has our ultimate good for us in mind. And so we draw near to your throne of grace and mercy, yes, but not just for ourselves. We draw near so that others may be drawn to you. We say yes so that by our life others may say yes to you. Lost are saved. Find their way at the sound of your great name. So we proclaim the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful. And through Jesus we say, Amen. Amy, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for the plenty of advance notice. Are you ready to talk about mercy? Yes, you betcha. Let me check and see if there's any questions first. So I want to talk about uh, two aspects of mercy today. All right, I'm ready. Here's, here's the thing that I'm struggling with, and I wanted to talk to you about it. How, um, how do we show mercy to others? Well, I think, um, first of all, that um, when you think about God um, and his mercy, I, it's important like to see that God's first impulse for us is mercy, as you pointed out this morning. But it's not mine. Hmm. You know, my yeah. first impulse is absolutely not mercy. Yeah. And so I think it's important, like, to come from a place, I'm, I'm speaking for myself, yeah. like, where I can feel the complete weight of my sin, huh. you yeah. know, um, and understand that when I understand the weight of it mm -hmm. and, and what it means and my need for a savior, mm -hmm. It kind of puts me in a position first, like a posturing position, like yeah. show me, Lord, yeah. what what mercy looks like. Yeah. Um, and it keeps me from a place of um, kind of like the Pharisee in Luke 18 of going, thank goodness I am not <laughs> yes. like right. the, you know, yeah. these sinners. Right. Um, and it just puts me in a different place yeah. to be able to understand God's yeah. mercy better yeah. because I can't do it on yeah. my own. Yeah. If I could, I would have already done that. So. Can you imagine someone getting up to pray? God, <laughs> thank you. I'm not like the rest of these losers. <laughs> but you know? in, in reality, don't we do it? But we do that, don't we? Yes. It's, it's, sub, it's unconscious, subconscious, whatever. Yeah. But we do it. We do it all the yeah. time. We do it when we drive down the road yes. and we're at camp, you know, stopped at Campbell and James River. And we see the person standing on the yeah. side of the road. We do yeah. it. Right. Um, we think, they can go get a job. I have a job. Yeah. They can go get a job. <laughs> It, that's yeah. what we're doing, yeah. you know, without right. even thinking about it. Oh, um, I think I think one of the worst things I ever heard was, you know, um, when that person runs the red light, they're a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> but when you run the red light, <laughs> right. it's because you need to get somewhere. I need to get somewhere. You know, it's yeah. important, you know. <laughs> we don't give that mercy. 
What I was um, what I was working through this, uh, and what you're saying is so true. I mean, Jesus talked about that. Even the scripture you read today. Mm-hmm. You know, this whole idea: if you think you're doing well, then good luck with that. Right. You know, I, I came for those who were sick, mm-hmm. and so you know, admitting that and understanding the weight of our sin mm-hmm. uh, for us. Um, you know, I was trying to think through the nuance of the difference between. Uh, sympathy and empathy mm-hmm. and empathy is a relatively new word mm-hmm. in the English language but it's really interesting because the more I studied that it, it made sense to me to understand you know it, it comes from Greek and empathy is the idea that um, I can um, I can relate to you or mm-hmm. I can try to understand right. without ever experiencing mm-hmm. and and at one point you're like okay but, you know, it's like, you know, a guy will have a splinter and it'll get taken out and they'll say, oh, now I know what it, like, what it means to have a baby. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, you're you nuts, yeah. you know. <laughs> right. It's like, you know, you, you think that this little moment of pain, right, right? you know. And, and so, you know, when I hear people say today, you don't understand mm-hmm. because you've never experienced it. Right. There's truth to that. There really is. You yeah. know, I can't understand what it means. Mm-hmm. you know, to be a different race in, in, in this country. I can't understand, you know, to have to have three or four jobs. There's truth right. to that. And so mm-hmm. rather than dismissing it, mm-hmm. I think sympathy, you know, empathy is understanding, mm-hmm. but sympathy, like caring, is sharing. Right. And this is what I find so encouraging about Hebrews telling us that God comes we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. That's right. I mean, so, you know, mercy to me is like, am I willing to walk alongside someone else? Right. And I, I was reading something on mercy yesterday, and it said the ability for us to enter their story mm-hmm. and not yeah. for their story to meet my story and I had to like read that over and over again and like make it make sense to me you know like it's literally kind of what you were saying maybe the empathy of understanding where they're coming from it's so foreign to me yes and I didn't realize how totally foreign it was to me to be able to like sit with them and be able to hear them maybe not completely understand where they're coming from, but to enter their story in a way that Jesus did. He did it all throughout. He did it all throughout the Bible. You know, he was not a a standoff kind of Jesus where he made their story fit him. You know, he he was with them. He touched them. He cared for them. He spoke to them. Um, And I just think it's so important Mm -hmm. to be able to stand. If we're going to understand mercy, to be able to understand how to meet somebody where they are. Uh, hard to do. Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to embarrass you, but I like I could embarrass you more than by bringing you up on stage mm-hmm. and asking you a bunch of questions. I think about the job that you do, mm-hmm. and I think about the the kids that you interact with on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think about this is a true example mm-hmm. of learning to have mercy on parents and others. Mm-hmm. You know, you deal with it, and it's horrible it's rough I mean I've heard Mm -hmm. it's challenging for you I've heard stories right so you deal with it at this small level Mm -hmm. and that gives you not just empathy but it gives you sympathy it gives you compassion in dealing Mm -hmm. with parents who deal with it you know a lot so 
you're getting into people's stories. Yes. You know, and that's, that's, you know, that's so hard. It is hard. It yeah. is hard. Yeah. Okay. So in some ways, I think uh, the second thing is harder. And the second thing is, how do we do a better job of having mercy on ourselves? Because I think a lot of people, you know, they can get to a point where they're giving and they're extending mercy to other people, but they have a struggle, you know, giving themselves mercy. And so there's this balance, right? It's what you led with. Understanding the reality of your life, but not letting that be, you know, so a person who says, I am worthless. You know, I mean, that's, that's a tough one. Yeah, and, and I think it still goes back to understanding the full weight of our sin, but also the full weight of the Savior yes. that, can, yeah. that rushes in to yeah. save us. And I, it kind of goes back to where I, I think that I can't do that. Yeah. I can't have that level of mercy and grace for people without the Lord. Yeah. So when it does rush in, when I do feel um, compassion and mercy on somebody, I know it's not me. Yeah. So, it, you know, again, it kind of takes the weight off, if you will, mm -hmm. the pressure off of mm -hmm. performing and doing and thinking I'm not good enough or I've really messed up. It takes that weight off yeah. because I am able to feel more of what the savior has actually yeah. done yeah and feel when you feel the full weight of the savior then you yeah. feel you you are able to to feel the weight or the the fullness yes. of his mercy as yeah. well rich so, the richness. Rich, richness yes that's a better word i mean that's why the gospel is so important for us to understand that the gospel is the life of christ for mm -hmm. our life right. that exchange an exchange has happened yeah you know uh, his life is given in exchange for our life. His death in exchange, you know, for us. And so th the gospel bears on our heart this way because it says, listen, at the same time, yes, you are a sinner, you are unworthy, you, you, all, you are all those things, but because God is rich in mercy, you have a new identity, you have a new meaning, you have new purpose, you know. And so that's the hard part for us is because shame you know yes. takes over it really does you know the, and, yeah and so i think part of you know of vocalizing the lord the lord a god merciful mm -hmm. it's for us too yes it is you know. remember that so yeah well thanks for yeah anything thank else you. you want to add i don't think so okay it's good well, to see all the lovely faces it is out there. yeah so let's move into a time of communion with this next song